0: Many people have problems with art and not with reality.
1: So, why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head.
0: Welcome to the undergang armchair.
1: Bring it. Welcome to the undergang armchair. My name is Ando. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? You all right? Thanks for letting me into your head. I'm in the swing of things again. I cannot believe how fast the list of things to do just explodes after a vacation. But uh, no matter, we're here working on some cool stuff, which I will tell you about in a second. But uh, first and most importantly, we have Kenneth Ballfeldt on the program today. I had a great talk with him before the summer vacation. He was recommended to me by uh, Matthias Borello, who was also on this program. And uh, man, oh man, I was really inspired and touched by, uh, by Kenneth. This is a great talk. For those of you who don't know, his practice is, uh, is one you could really actually truly call a social practice, and uh, it's just straight up incredible. He's going to talk about it in a second, to explain better than I can, but uh, I just want to say the level at which he uh, engages with the world around him is inspiring to me, not just as an artist, but uh, as a human. So, uh, yeah, he's my new superman. He works often with marginalized groups, often in the public sphere, on a political, architectural, and artistic level, and it's often uh, highly collaborative. But, uh, yeah, I'll let him tell the story himself. In the meantime, apropos of collaboration, we have two projects in the pipeline. One is still under wraps. I can just say it rhymes with uh, schmoo (laughs) schmodcast. The other, the other is a collaboration with the Chart Art Fair here in Copenhagen, which is coming up. It's the first through the third of September at Kunsthal Charlottenborg. I'm going to be recording a bunch of talks and be a general nuisance. So keep an eye out for me there. In fact, it's uh, Copenhagen Art Week that week. So uh, get in gear, man. There's so much to see and there's so much to do. There's art fairs. There's events. There's talks. I know that 68 Art Institute has a series of free talks. Get in there. Check it out. It's online, the entire program. I'll put a link up to that on the show notes for this page too. All right, you guys ready? Here's my talk with the wonderful and inspiring Kenneth Ballfeldt. I mean, I I guess as someone who does come from the outside and I don't really know you, I know some of the projects you've done, but I don't know much else. I saw on your website, which is very team based, by the way, you know, usually when you look at an artist's website, Mm -hmm. I did this, I did this, I did this, my CV I've shown here. This is who I know. Mm -hmm. Bam, bam, bam. Yours is all, you know, it's called Kenneth Balfour Team and it's all about the projects and these cooperations you've done and stuff. So it doesn't actually say much about you. I saw you were educated in England. Uh, with a traditional uh, B.A. in arts, right? Mm. Did it start with just uh, I don't know, being a painter or or a sculptor or something? I mean, the whole art thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, before that, I was I was uh, in business, and I have a degree from a community Business School in ah. marketing. And then uh, at some point, my mother started painting, and I mean, she was a kind of a nurse, kind of thing. And um, and so out of the blue, she just started painting. I was like, what the... And, and then after some time, she gave me some frames and some paint to take home. And I took it home and I left it in the basement for half a year or something. And then one day, I was at home alone. And I thought, hmm, let's go down to the basement and try this out. How
1: old were you at this point?
0: It was in my late 20s. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... Um, and when I started painting, I painted over two days. I painted two paintings. I still have them. They're awful. But <laughs> it gave me a total kick. Right away. It was... I right like, got such a kick out of it. It was like having sex for the first time. Wow. And, th- and, and I mean, from that point, I, in a way, there wasn't in a way back. I mean, it was in great... I mean, this uh, light was um, set on fire in my mm. heart somehow. Yeah. Um, so over the years from there, I I began to go to art exhibitions. I'd never been to a museum before at that
1: point. So before that, there was just nothing. No, 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 no nothing. No. And your mom got it out of nowhere. <laughs> like where yeah. did she?
0: I don't have a clue. What a wild coincidence! <laughs> and she could actually paint. I mean, she could draw, yeah. and it looked like something. Um, yeah. So so I I went to art shows and began to read books about art and uh, and then I took this, uh, summer course at a high school Um, and um, and then at some point I just you know I found myself at my workplace and the different businesses I worked in as the one who always said but couldn't we do it like that instead you know always like deconstructing or being creative you know looking at from different sides or and, and that was great I mean it worked well in the workspace that I could develop new ideas and see things from different points of view and uh, and flex also between levels. You know, sometimes you, you look at it from above and sometimes you look at it from a practical, pragmatic point of view and I could kind of connect these two, mm. which is found out later, is essential to being an artist. You know, you have philosophical idea, but then you have to paint it <laughs> or build it. And it's been made, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So at some point I find myself sitting in... The train on the way to, to work, just saying, okay, I'm gonna quit, and I'm gonna go to this high school, high school, it's a dormitory, foundation art course for mm-hmm. half a year at Eru, a small island, uh, and start
1: all over again. Were you happy with your job beforehand? I was really happy about my job. And wow. It was great,
0: and I was in great company, and we had lots of success and everything. But it was just like. You know, who wants to stay at a party when you can have sex? You know? <laughs>
1: Everything changes. all of a sudden? Yeah, that's wild. How quickly and how out of nowhere it just changed like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you were gonna yeah. be a painter. That was the plan. I was painting for some years, expressionistic. Yeah. Abstract painting. <laughs> uh,
0: and then got. I mean more and more political i tried to make political paintings but that was absurd i mean it was really difficult you know i wouldn't dare Uh, no Uh, yeah so and and then i got back from the school for half a year uh, after half a year and i applied for some academies but didn't get in uh and then i worked in copenhagen with a friend of mine called jeppe hein another artist um had a studio together and then we applied again and we both got in. he got into Copenhagen and I got into at Goldsmiths in London and then yeah
1: did that change everything going to one of these kind of more you know for me going to art school was the step from being someone who was interested in making art and making all sorts of art to being like okay this is now more serious you start learning theory you start learning art history you start engaging with art on a on a on a more full level you know than just like i like to paint Mm -hmm. you know and i paint in my basement um did you did you i mean were you there to paint or had you already started changing your ideas about what was possible with a practice and
0: i i came in there with with uh, I mean, first of all, because I had a career before and I quit my day job and uh, I, I didn't earn any money and so on, but I wanted a career, I or, or wanted a life out of making art. So I, it was kind of decided and I wanted to go that way. So I, I, I took it really seriously. Uh, so when I came to art school, this was like, okay, now I can really found the basis, make the platform for, for that to happen and, and to get to know more. I, didn't, I, I, mean, I needed to talk to someone and learn more. Um, but in art school I still I was doing installations and performances and photography and videos and so on and I expanded with that for experimented with that for a couple of years at my BA trying everything yeah but kind of um, I had some trajectories yeah which are kind of lost now Um, it wasn't that political but then between the the second and the third year on my summer holiday I was kind of this isn't taking me Anyway, it was because I had, I, I my second year, I had a show at a, 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 a very good gallery in, in Denmark. Uh, some actually an English curator picked me up at art school. She was tutoring there, and I went to the show, uh, took part in the show, and had a video which I thought was really great, and my professor thought was really great, and everything. But then at the show, this friend of mine came over and you know just shook me on the shoulder and said, or tapped me on the shoulder and said. Great video, Kenny. Do you want to go to Stereo Bar, which was the place we all went to as artists? And it was like, no shit. I mean, I didn't work half a year to produce a video, you know, just to have a tab on the shoulder. It was like... Right. Good job, was, man. Yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, what, what does this lead to? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that art can't change the world or change how we perceive things, but I was just too impatient to work down that road. So I thought this whole summer... About, you know, how can I work different? I have to do something totally different if I'm gonna produce something different. So I just remember that I, all, all every day to art school, to to the college, I went through a, a corner shop. I passed through uh, by a corner shop and I said, okay, I wanna work with that. And um, so that was my first project outside the art institution. Uh, and uh, it was a, a failed project in many ways, this corner shop project. But it was the turning point for me it was like trying to be out there and actually being in a place where you had to be responsible and you know be ethical and there were lots of new questions that came up in in terms of making art in such a place mm. and uh, from that on there, there wasn't any way back for me it was you know i i wanted to be out there and i and i felt you know this the the, the, the shop owner shiva he was like and the customers you know i got immediate response for what we did or someone talked to me i got much more criticism from from these guys Right, you open yourself up
1: to a lot more
0: <laughs> yeah yeah then from anybody else you know i, I ever had in, in at all the exhibitions mm. so that was great mm.
1: so i mean you got kind of a kick out of joining the real world quote unquote taking the art out of the uh the context which is built for it and putting it into uh, where someone who is buying a pack of cigarettes all of a sudden is is engaged with some sort of artwork.
0: Yeah, and and also something that came out of that product as well was that I saw that you. I mean, a shop is capitalistic. I mean, you go and you buy a product and you get get it. And if it's there's something with, if the milk is sour, you can return it and you get your money back. So there's an exchange going on, which is you know what capitalism is built on this kind of exchange. And that's fine. I mean, that works and, and, and we like it. Here we have you know microphones, we have cups, we have a table. Everything like that comes out of this possibility to exchange and buy products and, and produce things. But what I also saw was that you had a community with different... I mean, in England, they talked about different communities. You have the black community and the Asian community and so on. And I didn't really understand it too much, coming from the outside, coming from them, But what I saw was that they all went into this shop and did the same thing. So I thought there's something here, there's an activity, a social activity going on which is like parallel to the capitalistic exchange which is interesting. So how can I work and emphasize that and use that as a material for my art project rather than the capitalistic side? So parallel to this capitalistic exchange, how can I work with something else? So. In a way, I said to myself, "There's nothing wrong with this kind of exchange." I won't dare to call it capitalism, because that's <laughs> it. but you know, it's hard to say for an artist. I I, I, I don't care too much about capitalism. Or. Capitalism is fine. I mean, you can't. I mean, there's so many issues about it. But what I what I saw was that there's too much, too much. I think that there's much too much focus on this exchange and this capitalistic part of our life. And I wanted to emphasize on the other side, the Mm. social interaction side, the social side, whatever we call it, something else. So, So my whole practice from that point on has been to emphasize other sides in our society than the capitalistic side, if that makes sense.
1: It absolutely makes sense. Did you? How was the reaction at school? You know, you went back to school wow. and said, "Well, here I am now. I'm now I'm working on this." And I imagine that some people thought it was exciting and interesting and uh, progressive. <laughs> and I imagine some people were like, "Oh, fuck you!" You know, well, make your paintings. You know, <laughs> I well,
0: I mean, this. I got this question from my teacher, from one of my tutors at some point, saying, "Okay, now I heard about this cornerstone project for half an hour, but." what kind of art are you doing at the moment <laughs> <laughs> well that kind of says it all that illustrates I mean, it yeah and I almost failed my degree show because I made I was kind of curating this corner shop project with other artists like Jeremy Della, and he, I mean he never participated but, but other artists and Jeb Hein and uh, yeah Katrin Böhm from Germany and so on but um, and but but then at the degree show they kind of I made like a Kind of sociological research about the customers what they liked and and so on and, and other stuff and the uh, almost fairly it was only the professor i had the tutor i had um Jean matchy she really supported me and she could really see how it was art in a certain way and, and 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 because of her i think i i passed with mm, mm, mm. small marks but yeah. but then also, what happened was that a guy called um, Sarat Maharaj was a, uh, yeah, he's a professor there also, but he was also co-curating Documenta with uh, Invesa at some point, and it's a really important critic and uh, a theoretician, um, and he came into the room with some Norwegian professor from an art school there, and they were really like, really into it. So this is great. This is the best thing the Norwegian professor this is the best thing I see that this degree show and so on. So I felt, you know, I had this tiny bit of a hope that there was something about what I did, right, that it, someone could see it from another perspective.
1: Is this in the 90s? Or where are we at this? We moment? are in 2000. Mm. Yeah, because I think that's, that's also when I went to art school. Um, and And I was definitely younger than you were at that time. And I think you know, one of the things I've thought about a lot is the fact that I could have taken it more seriously. I became more serious when I was in my late 20s. And I've always wondered what it was like to go in your late 20s, to already have established a sort of adulthood. You know, because I went at a time where you're also just like figuring out about girls, about partying, <laughs> about living away from home, you know, all that sort of stuff. At the same time, as trying to build up like an artistic practice. Or some sort of idea about who you are, or you know all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, I think. uh, Do you ever consider what would have happened had you found art earlier? I mean, I really enjoyed studying in my late twenties.
0: That was so great. I mean, and everything. It was. I mean, school got a whole new meaning for me Mm. because school has always been something you kind of drag yourself. Right, you have to do it. Um, I mean, although it wasn't. I mean it, I mean when I did my my um, business school degree it was it was better than high school and stuff like that but still it was you know I had to do the stuff but here it was like everything was out of enthusiasm um, and that was great so so I think I would have been exactly the same situation as you were partying and looking at girls mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm.
1: if I did it in my early 20s um, so, I mean, it's a hard time to become an artist, right? I mean, there's there's a certain type who functions well in that sort of atmosphere, but for the rest of us who want to, who need time to think things through and try things and fail, you know, you need some space and quiet for that. In oh. in a, in a way, at least that's what I found. It wasn't until I moved to Denmark that I really considered myself somewhat serious about what I do. Hmm. Um, but I mean. So what happens that you leave school, you have a BA in arts, which is always one of those things like, oh, great, an art degree, you know, uh, and then and uh, then I, I, sorry, I also did an MA right because
0: away. My girlfriend um, came over also. So we had to stay. I wanted to stay a bit longer. OK, so you and did so, it right away. I, I did an MA right after, but in, in art history, but it was like art history in. I mean, we have had one lessons with slides of artworks, one lesson, I still remember. But everything else was like deconstruction and uh, cultural analysis and uh, Derrida and modern philosophies and, uh, you know, stuff like that with Irid Rubrov and Saurabh Maharaj and, and other thinkers like that. So it was a very different degree. And what happened in that degree which was really, really interesting for me, which always set a great mark. Is that they said on the first day of our class, they said, You are all doing research in your life on your practice now. Uh, Now that you've entered this course, you should use this course to continue your research and trajectory. So that was really great that they kind of turned it around, saying, Now you're not doing the studies to fulfill the academic standards, you're doing the studies
1: to continue your research. Right. Which started before you got here and will continue after you leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important image because you don't really in school necessarily understand that, you know, it's all part of a greater whole. Um, but why didn't you go back to do an MFA or uh, or you know study get a master's in fine arts? I mean, I know a thousand reasons why you shouldn't have, but I'm interested in why in in your words why instead art history attracted you.
0: And I think because I did this shop project where I also curated, I tried to find, you know, other courses that kind of could broaden the horizon of how to make art. Mm. And the curating course at the Goldsmith was one way, but they were kind of, they didn't really want me when I talked to them. Um, and then I just, I don't, I don't know how it happened, actually, but I just stumbled over this, that I, which had more theory and more thinking. I, actually, I, I don't have a clue why that was the course I chose, but I'm really, really
1: happy I did. It was the right one. Yeah,
0: so definitely. It was great, yeah. Mm.
1: Well, I think your practice does involve a lot of thinking and and critical thinking, especially. So any training in that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, did you move back to Denmark immediately afterwards?
0: Yes, I did.
1: And uh, and then you're thinking, okay, now I got to make a career out of this. Yeah. Make art,
0: and then that could lead would lead to a career. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really important that you kind of focus on. I mean I understand what you're saying with making a career but I think it's really important that you focus on making good art and then you know it'll get picked up Mm. and also if you're insistent which I found out later on which I was because I really loved what I did in terms of the social practice I have then that's also something that people kind of respect and say you know can't avoid looking at or, or taking in
1: when you mean when you say insistent do you mean like in approaching people or pushing your art out into the world or do you mean in terms of just consistently continuing to make art no matter what happens
0: Yeah but but no I mean I mean in terms of if you have something you think is important then you know and then work on that all the time and and just continue you know believing yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and 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 not like if you are kind of you know going from one place to the other and and trying a bit of this and bit of that uh, and not really having the heart in it and and then also this other thing that once you if you kind of pursue something you get better at it so if you kind of go down one road, which you think is important, which is in your heart and you feel there's something about it, but it doesn't really work now and people doesn't really respect it. and But I really think it's interesting doing it. I don't know why. I mean, then you should definitely continue doing it. Mm. And then just by the mere insistency, it will get you know,
1: acknowledged. All right. I mean, I feel. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something which I think a lot of people ask themselves constantly is how do I get this out, develop this into the world more, you know? And, and one of the problems I personally have is knowing when to spend time making art and when to spend time trying to show art or, you know, get art out into the world. And I don't, I, I guess for everybody, it's different, but I think you're right. I think a lot of people maybe use too much time trying to, let's just use social media for an example, you know, spending time, fine-tuning social media presences instead of actually making new projects Mm. you know um but how did you like when you came back how you just started a practice uh and and just you know i mean how you know because your work involves so much collaboration too i don't know if if when you first came back it was a little bit more just you alone but what was it looking like then
0: um well i mean i i came back and i tried to kind of pursue this corner shop project kind of way of working in the real real life mm. and then i got invited by some yeah, friends who also started in england for a show called contemplation room uh, which was about how we use the public space to contemplate to lie down to be and uh instead of also this social design trying to you know, push people out of the public space who shouldn't be there, like homeless people and stuff. And, um, and for that project, they had a really good process of curating that we kind of met up all the artists and talked about our project before we even had the ideas. So this process was really fruitful and nice. And then at some point, I, I, I read about um, these injection rooms um, that where drug addicts take their drugs, inject their, their drugs, and, uh, at, at, and then, through this process of research and looking at the neighborhood and so on, I just um, got the idea. I found myself saying at a meeting that I want to do an injection room, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which you hadn't even planned beforehand. Not before that meeting, would, um,
0: but <laughs> but I, I had some, you know, I heard about the injection room. I heard about the drug addicts in the streets. I saw them. I I, I looked at the square, which was newly hand which was newly uh, refurbished into a totally transparent stone kind of don't do anything here don't be here yeah get out of here it's true
1: it's pretty cold
0: and then i just like you know what about these people i mean so yeah so then i built an injection room in a bunker in a projection room as it's called in danish uh, that regularly translated a bomb shelter um because uh, they've been i mean the top of that bomb shelter was called the needle cushion mm. uh, because that was where all the junkies it were was called, a spot, yeah. were sitting, taking their drugs. Um, and so underneath there was this protection room was were there to protect us against atomic bombs, which was not really needed. Um, and I thought, you know, why not have protection rooms for drug addicts instead, which is more needed. Right. So I used that site, uh, borrowed one from the municipality to, to build an injection room. And that worked really, really well, and, and it was like you know there was no money, and I you know I built this project for twenty-five thousand Danish kroner from sponsorships from companies around on the square, mm. which saw all these drug addicts on a daily basis, uh, and the project just kind of you know exploded uh, because it got uh, I, there was a cafe a guy. Who was a journalist who had a cafe now and who he helped me with the press and he was really good at it mm. and i got so much press attention from this project like 30 newspaper uh 30 newspapers and eight time on television and six times on radio something like that which was totally absurdly much for you know this kind of project sure. for me i never been in the press before that right i think uh, it was like a money exhibition at uh, Louisiana or something I mean it was absurd yeah. um, and, and I got in contact with a politician from the social democrats who drew up a, a law proposal which I got to you know she was like riding on the wave of all this uh, dial, uh, debate about injection rooms and I got to read through the law proposal uh, and correct some things because I was an expert at that point in injection rooms um and it went to parliament and it got rejected by by, by, regardless uh, yeah but 10 years after they got the social democrats got into to um, form the government and they uh legalized it Mm. injection rooms and now we have them Mm. so that was like you know my first kind of that was my yeah i mean that was what when it took off in a way for me trial uh, by fire Yeah, and and the thing about it was, I mean, the the real learning point in a way was that I saw that I could affect and engage in my own community with something I found needed to be developed. Mm. And that was great. I could actually use art to come with visual inlays into a debate about something Mm. and change things.
1: I imagine that the process of doing that taught you a lot about what it is you do now, because there's so much collaboration and so many actors and so many things down from, as you mentioned, just being press ready, uh, but also collaboration with uh, local actors, with uh, people who are against what you're doing. Because, I mean, I know that these... uh, these injection rooms have been a part of it they've been debated for as long as i've lived here in denmark and there's people for and there's people against and people are very passionate about it so you have to work you're you're walking straight into the middle of an ongoing argument Um, there's legal issues there's uh, we had
0: a lot of visits from the police
1: i bet (laughs) yeah um, you know, and so and, and, and you it sounds like you didn't really have any experience doing any of that beforehand. No. So I mean, you just I mean, had to make it happen.
0: Yeah. I mean you know, coming from business life I had experience in project management and in mm, yeah. in um economy and in um fundraising. I mean I knew how business were thinking and also in, you know, reading the law from from my business degree and so there are different stuff I kind of could use, and also this thing about steering media or, or managing the media. Like I mean, that was part of my, you know, degree um, and how to, I mean, at least at least manage communication. How do you? Because and and one thing that happened in that respect was that all the a lot of journalists kind of wanted to say this is a really provocative art work, and and I said no, it's not provocation. This is trying to get a profound debate about a social topic in Denmark so I always tried to turn it over to that because they wanted in a way to be like we had these incidents before with Christian Demas who did uh, some pics that uh, were um, rotting mm-hmm. in a museum and mm-hmm. we had Michael Barmer who did something with puppets uh, you know and so so they kind of wanted to have a new scandal, I the new scandal to talk and I about. really really didn't want that because you know I could also, I was also by the police told that if I made it into, because in the beginning it was supposed to be a functioning uh, injection room and they, I mean, first uh, at the street level of the police, they said, okay, you can just do it and we just stay outside and uh, you know stay away from it. And then I got to the drug department, like on a higher level and they said, okay, it sounds interesting to try it out. Yes, you should do it. But let's just talk to the director of the police. And then the the vice director of the police called me and said, okay, I have all the respect for what you're doing, but if you do it, you're going to go to jail. I mean, and then I was just like, oh, shit. This was not what I wanted. I didn't want it to be. I, I could have gone down that road mm. and, you know, great scandal, artist in jail for trying to save drug addicts or whatever. Sure. But I didn't want that. Um, so instead, we decided not to inject but just to have it as a space where you can't inject because it's not legal. And that worked better. So it was ready better.
1: to go, but yeah. unusable. Yeah.
0: They could all stand there and they could inject outside and get hepatitis and HIV and die from overdoses outside, but inside with the nurses and the equipment, they were not allowed to do that. So that worked even better. And that's also a nice experience to have that these... Uh, breakdowns you have in your processes actually, um, and sometimes they're really, really fruitful mm.
1: well i can definitely see that 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 having a, a business experience beforehand is important because there's so many practical levels of of real life and project management and everything that artists have to learn after school mm-hmm. because they have no they don't know how you know they don't know anything about contracts they don't know anything about law Um, myself included, only the reason I know what I know is just from, you know, having been doing this for 10 years or so, you know. So it seems like an advantage to be multidisciplinary in a lot of ways here, you know. And then and then kind of what I keep thinking while you're talking about this is also there's the whole other level, which is the research you do, which just comes from a more academic side. My wife is an anthropologist, so I know a little bit about Mm. uh, or I've heard, I should say, about Doing this sort of research, user research, and um, you know, on-site observation, and you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Did you also study that, or did you just uh, kind of teach yourself? Or
0: Hmm. I don't know if that. I mean, we we had some anthropology and sociology at school, at art school, but it wasn't like we we were never. You know told to go out and interview people that's not part of an art practice course so um so no that came later i think just this you know how do you find out about things so i i don't know how that came just out of curiosity and and, you know a bit of courage and like just you know going out asking people okay what is an injection how should it function and trying Mm -hmm. to and and at that point this was the first time i kind of did user involvement Mm -hmm. Like, so I went and, and, you know, and it didn't come out of doing art, but it was but for this project to do uh, an injection room, you need to know what it's about. So I had contact some prostitutes and some, you know, were taking drugs and and some drug addicts sitting in front of a church and so on. It was really, really a nerve wracking experience to go over to these people. Right. But they, they just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I still remember it. But I just saw that you know after 10 seconds it was it was fine there was no problem with that and i had that experience many times after that that you know we think that someone who has a totally different way of living are gonna kill us or i don't know what like they're terrifying uh, yeah but yeah yeah they're all really friendly out there Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) so but so i just i needed to know how to build it so i needed to talk to people about what it was supposed to do and Mm -hmm. um and I just saw that I got so much knowledge out of that process. I was also I talked to drug addicts, but also to um, nurses and uh, people from the, the sh- shelter for the homeless and who had drug addicts in and so on. And um, found a report, someone had written about how to make an injection room. And, and from that, I, I, I built one mm. together with a, an architect student called Stefan who lifted me at that point. Mm um so and and that what i saw from that was that it gave me a lot of legitimacy around by like, journalists politicians uh the, the professionals in the field that i knew something about this from talking to people and also drug addicts and that kind of has been a really important experience as well that you, you know it's uh, because I had drug addicts in my family, and so I always read if you know if you go to a newspaper, you'll pick up different stories, and I always read the ones about drug addiction um and and so I thought I knew something about it. But when I did this project, I realized I knew nothing. I mean, there was nothing of that I read in papers that was actually useful <laughs> in any way, and that was terrifying in a way that was like a total paradigm shift for me that that you couldn't really i mean if you want to know something about something don't read the newspapers that's not where you're going to get that's a scary the moment story. right yeah it was when you really. realize
1: how much we we know quote unquote comes from journalism
0: yeah 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 we know it's so superficial and i could also see it in the way they wrote story about the project that you know okay yeah they write something about this and that but then they don't know this and that you know right or choose to ignore this
1: or yeah you know. yeah yeah I mean, as you pointed out earlier, often they're looking to sell a product. So a a, a good scandal gets things going, you know, Mm. and contextualizing things in that way. Mm. But then, I mean, I guess that was it. That was blast off for you. Yeah. You did it. It it worked. You got a lot of attention. It felt successful to you personally. um, And you still kept it in the realm of art. It seems to you like an art project.
0: I did. And I continue to do that. But I have to say that two thirds of the... The, the criticism came from the um, what do you say interior uh, journalists not from the the cultural journalists um, and, and um, I can't say that it got picked up by curators and institutions or art critics that what I did so I did some other projects after that also and I, I never kind of felt that now I'm I'm recognized as an important artist mm. in the Danish art scene mm. that took many years. And that's where the idea of consistency or insistency comes
1: from. Sure. And there's a time for things, you know, like what you might be interested in may not be what is currently the discussion topic in the art world. I mean, I know around the same time, there's an explosion of interest in street art graffiti artists mm. on in galleries and, you know, galleries like uh, like V1 opening. And, you know, there's a whole boom of of capitalist art right then mm. as the economy is going well and everything. So it may just not have been the moment where people were terribly engaged with uh, with certain social issues that you saw. No, but it was actually going on. I mean, we had
0: a Superflex and N55, which was before me, which I was very inspired by. Um, who were really taking off and showing all over the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had documenta at that point with uh, Invisa. Well, I mean, that came a bit later, but, uh, and uh, there was, uh, what do they call this? Relational aesthetics kind of book that came at some point. Um, and so, so there was a lot of things going on, but I think my practice maybe was a bit, Maybe it wasn't like, you know, you couldn't. Sh- at least it was. Maybe there was thought that it couldn't be institutionalized. You couldn't show it in a gallery or in a museum. Maybe that was it. And it took a long time before that happened. I mean, now I have uh, this uh, caravan which we made for the shelter for the homeless called Mitneshe, which was a meeting room I made together with Fuss, another Danish artist. And. um when when they had to rebuild and they threw out the ca- caravan, uh, we sold it to the National Gallery State Museum for Kunst. Um, but that was a long way down the line and I have discussions or t- debates with her, uh, the, the curator, man, to talk about it for some years. And, and she was interested and she knew that they had an obligation as an art institution to historicize these kind of practices, but they didn't know how. It was first when we had an object that was beautiful. Uh, that they could really you know take it in Um,
1: yeah yeah and that's always it's always been the 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 hard part of of social work because uh it 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 necessarily exists outside the realm of 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 traditional art context uh and not only that it uh, unless it's protest against the museum system it doesn't really have anything to do with that you know and so anything that happens inside that context is secondary to the actual goals and the, the work of that practice. Mm. Um, and also I'm not,
0: you know, my work is not in that sense institutional critical. Yeah. I'm dependent on the art institution because it's it's because of, of art and how we make art and how methods are developed in art and, and, and ways of doing things that I can do the things outside. If, if the art institution doesn't exist, I can't do it and i can't call it art and i don't have any methods Mm. for making it some so i'm using methods developed within the art institution
1: within art in real life Um, in terms of what exactly are you talking about like more your 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 way of working are you thinking or are you thinking more like um i mean because i imagine that you're not financially beholden to the art world that your your funding comes more from public sources. So what do you mean exactly about the art context?
0: No, I mean that, like, you know, how you make art. I mean, when I heard talks of I mean, when I heard artists talks, talk, I always interested in their strategies, you know, how do you come from one point to the other? How do you get from from your starting point to making the project Um, and, and and so, so there are methods, there are different approaches to how you make an artwork, and they are very inspiring for me. Also, I mean, how I, I mean, I'm, I invented methods myself, how I do artworks, but inspired by other people. Mm. Um, so not about. So I wasn't that interested in their form or how it looked or what they could do with the materials, but how did they get to that point? You know. Um, and so, so when. For instance uh, you had this um, document at that point you had this um, what is she called she made a shop false boutique in a she had done it in Berlin before and now she did a documenter where she she made a shop with secondhand clothes and the artwork was the way that she talked to her to the customers mm. and that was totally deconstructing for me so that strategy of how how something can the art how you can work with art, how you can use art uh, and also like when i you know one of the approaches i have when i do these urban projects uh, urban spaces projects um now is that <clears throat> i don't plan too much i call it that i'm strategically
1: unprepared that's <laughs> so like that's, that's the other name of this podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: So um, when I, because when I, because when, you know, I've learned to plan, we all have learned to plan, so, and especially coming from a a business environment. Um, So when I, I just saw that when I worked with people, something happened in the process and and you couldn't, sometimes it wasn't interesting or it was disturbing to take it in because you had planned something. And so when I also, and I also had this experience of, of trying to plan, a painting or sculpture or performance, whatever. And then when you did it, it was like, it always turned out in different ways. The paint didn't do what you wanted and then the clay turned another way or something else appeared. Uh, And so I I kind of had this idea that you can only like plan 50%. The rest you just have to, you know, that has to be in the moment. You have to work with the materials and the situation and inspiration in the moment. So I've taken on that to when I so when I work with you know people are also totally unpredictable they got all sorts of ideas and, and behavior so and so I try to when I start a project to kind of maybe have have a basis or a platform or and some ethics you know a, a kind of ethical standard or mm-hmm. principles mm-hmm. and then work from that so when I come I'm really unprepared and I'm 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 looking for something i want people to come with inputs otherwise i don't have anything and and that's a you know a position i set myself in because i wanted to be relevant for the context i work very very much with context Mm. what is this place who is there what's happening who is who knows what about whom or whatever you know all these kind of things the social sphere and And so so this is so this is a method from art trying not to plan everything and come and try to be in the process and take in what happens in the process. Mm. So this is yeah, so this is the way that I use methods from art.
1: That really strikes me because uh, as you were talking about this, this this act of trying to force a material into something you've preconceived without a real knowledge of the material, I do it all the time, <laughs> so like <laughs> personally, I was like, "Yeah, I should really let, you know," but 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 the other thing that really struck me, uh, you mentioned now twice ethics, which I think is very interesting, and then also on your website it talks a lot about um, trust. And those are kind of more intangible ideas, you know. When you talk about ethics, I, I kind of assume you're talking personally about what you think is appropriate. But have you also kind of read up on, on ethics? Have you made an attempt to uh, to look at it from a more uh, outside angle, or are you thinking only personally from your heart what you feel is right or wrong uh, when you're working these projects? Because they are some of them quite touchy. Um, when you're talking, especially working with people who are, there's a great Danish word uset um, people who are um, what's the word marginalized, yeah Yeah.
0: Um, that's a good question, I I, I don't know if I ever read one of these ethical texts, you know, by some of the philosophers, I don't think so I I read a lot of philosophy, but not about ethics, I think Mm. so I think maybe it's more about I mean, maybe integrity is a more, um, I mean, I'm a closer to integrity. I mean, it come, the ethics comes out of integrity, like saying, okay, if I'm here with these people and I want to do something that I feel is the correct thing to do, the, the, the great thing to do, the, the thing mostly filled with love, how can I do it then? So that this is how it, I think it comes. So then we define, okay, then it has to be in this way and that way. This is how we do it.
1: So you have made some sort of rules or at least some sort of framework for for the team, for you, etc. when you're talking to certain groups or whatever.
0: Yes, yes. And they develop all the time. And every time we do a project, it's a new process. It's a new context. And we develop new methods for that context. This is part of, you know, and this also comes from art. I mean, you can't, you know... Um, I mean, if you if you use the same methods all the time, uh, you know it becomes best practice. And you know, if there's something that you can't do in art, is using best practice. You can't pick something from another painter and then use it in your. I mean, you can do it, but it's not. You're not developing anything new. Um, you have to develop a new thing every time. So that's what I'm trying to do also to make something that is relevant for that specific context and those people in that society. Mm so yeah
1: that's interesting and what about trust the idea of working with people uh to the point in which they trust what you're doing because i imagine there's always a period in which they're like who the fuck is this guy what does he want who's he working for like is there someone behind this you know uh these a lot of these groups have been lied to a lot by uh by you know political parties or uh, by, you know whoever whatever institutions may have been had crossed their path at some point.
0: I think I mean what is really interesting when you ask about it is that I, it just strikes me that you know I don't work to create ownership and trust. I don't I haven't defined that I want to create ownership and trust, which is something you always do when you make urban regeneration projects. You kind of it's part of your plan to do that. You have to have trust and. Um, But it's true, you know, you're trying to be in integrity and and creating an ethical platform to work on and doing the right thing for this context with these people, what they find relevant, that trust is built and and, uh, ownership. So it's not I'm I'm not working for ownership, but this is something that happens when you do a project that is relevant and ethically based. Uh, and, and it's in, in integrity. And then I also see that inviting people into an an art space to do a project so professionals and users, drug addicts or marginalized or other kind of people uh, into an art space kind of set them free in terms of you know who are you, why are you doing this and and because I'm a free agent so so yeah they ask the question who are you or what are you doing and when i say i'm an artist and and i kind of have said that we are not going to do a painting together then it's kind of sets them free and it's like okay so there's a feeling i think about that feeling of that we are going to do what we agree upon there's no other context or there's no other agendas Mm. than what we agree upon i'm not coming with a profession i'm not a an architect or social worker who has to do specific things and i'm not you know i haven't planned something beforehand that i want to put down your throat so so that's it's kind of free setting that to use art as a space to come in and also i think this thing about integrity is also something i discovered that you know coming from another field going into art is that art is always in in in, in integrity i mean any artist whatever you send out you you can't say it's what was the party or the my boss or the municipality who told me to do it like that and i'm just you know Mm. following orders you can't say that as an artist you always have to be in total integrity what you send out otherwise it will come back to you as being a shitty artwork and it will go fall back on you So that's part, it's ingrained in in being an artist. I'm trying to take that out to the field of, which is the field I'm working in with, you know, urban development, Um, and and, and it's a wanted good out there. I mean, it's a wanted merchandise. Right, it's not
1: hard in reality to fight for it.
0: No, I mean, everybody wants it. Everybody wants to be in integrity, but they are often either pushed into not being in integrity or they are they are excusing themselves with that but i have to do it because my boss said so <laughs> or this is the politics instead right. of going back and saying we agreed to do this as well was our plan or our strategy but it doesn't feel in integrity because of this and this in reality mm. so let's change it into something that is more i mean they don't there's not that discussion doesn't go on in a side of scene right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it makes a lot of sense. And I'm one of those people who are afraid of speaking to marginalized groups sometimes because uh, you forget about the basic humanity of everybody sometimes. And you're just like, well, they're so different. They don't they don't want to talk to me for sure. So, uh, you know, um, and
0: I am as well. I mean, every time I can remember every time I've gone to a group, you know, drug addicts or homeless or prostitutes or gang members or what have you. I mean, I'm terrified. But you do it anyway, but al- uh yeah, because I want to do these projects, but I always get the experience of being welcomed and um and being seriously and respected for talking to them and, mm. and to 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 listen to them and so everybody respects someone who comes open minded right
1: there's a lesson to be learned there for sure, um how do you deal with the, uh, the, the art mafia? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like I saw, I saw a piece of yours at, uh, Charlottenburg, a, a big art hall here in town. Uh, and there it fit into a more, um, it's a piece. It's on the floor. You walk around it. There's a little sign with your name. There's a title, a year, you know, it fit much more into, and it, I believe it was called, uh, homeless people also need sun or. Oh yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah um is that the right title uh homeless people also need to sunbathe yeah that's what it was um is it shocking for you all of a sudden to work in that context or is it more of a thing that just kind of happens on the side to the to the quote-unquote real projects i really love
0: to go back to the institutions now and then and do an art project Mm. because it's kind of it's also free setting from the other context because there you can be irresponsible and that is really great, and I think it's really important that you sometimes can you you have a space for experimentation and trying different things out. But uh, but it has been hard for me to go back with with the practice I did before. I can't go back to that kind of practice mm. for art institutions within that context. And then coming from you know the other practice, social practice, I t- I tend to try to use the art institutional projects the 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 shows to see what i can produce in the art institution how can i produce something how can it be productive uh, instead of just representative to because to represent something that i did outside in the art institution doesn't really
1: i think it's a bit it's it's a bit it doesn't work for me that well it's a hard translation
0: yeah so like at the i had another show here recently at the museum for contemporary art at Roskilde, Museum for Samtidskunst. The, it was the 25th anniversary show, and they invited me because they wanted to be more relevant. I mean, they, they, we were like five artists, but they invited me because they wanted to be more relevant for local community as an institution, in the local community more, be more you know, politically or socially engaged, and then they invited me. So I said, okay, how can I produce that somehow? So I made a show about I mean I showed two of my projects, in Mini Park with the beer drinkers and Falkers Park with the, the renovation of the park. Both projects I did together with Spectrum Architects. And and then I kind of extracted the user involvement part of that that was developed through art in these projects and read it and we, we made a book about it and we made a, the show was about it and, and we we did courses about it so I made courses for, for practitioners in urban development architects urban planners whatever um, in how to make uh, user involvement mm-hmm. especially to a marginalized group but it could be applied to any group uh, so, so that I found really I really liked that you know kind of approach that, that you develop something in art and you try it out in in art projects kind of in, in the real in the urban space and then you take it into a museum and then you do a, a, a course in artistically developed methods mm. and the, which was what the course in the book was called
1: well there's a lot of knowledge here that you've built out through doing these projects which you know you work with a lot of people so people are are, are benefiting from this knowledge but you know at a, at a certain point I mean, I, I saw that you have made a, a manual, essentially. Is that the book from that project that was on your yeah, website as well? Yeah. Okay, which is an attempt to share this knowledge, this practical feet-on-the-ground knowledge about how to do stuff. Yes. Um, which I think is important. At a certain point, you also kind of spread it out. So this is in a way, I
0: mean, that book about how to, you know, artistically develop methods for user involvement, that book is in a way my gallery show. mm this is where I share, or try to influence people through my artwork.
1: You could say, Mm. maybe I was curious, and it's a question I ask everybody, and I think it's going to be a little bit uh, funny in this context. But uh, I'm kind of fascinated by why we do what we do. I'm starting to get an idea about for you but I'm also fascinated in the ego the artistic ego and I don't mean ego in terms of narcissism I just mean ego in the most neutral sense of the word but what role does ego play in it for you where are you in all of this
0: yeah I mean the thing is that I mean all I mean as I said before with the newspaper when you look through things whatever information you gather you there are some things that interest you and that's what you I guess tend to follow, and and, and so with me, I, I you know I found myself. I, I remember this situation where I went to a party at my at my high school, and I ended up sitting with a girl who was crying over her boyfriend had left him, you know, for three hours, just crying out on my shoulder while all the others were dancing and and scoring girls and what have you, uh, and I ended up with nothing and and a friend of mine Jens, called me social bell i mean like as a belted like my surname kind mm-hmm. of a nickname uh, so social bell there was like <laughs> so there was something about me and i was very interested in psychology um and understanding psychology and understanding people not so much myself i wasn't i'm, I'm not a troubled kid in that way but i had lots of troubled people around me i guess uh, family and so on so i i just found it really really interesting to understand and also coming from you know business and management and, and leadership and uh you know sales tactics and so on you know but the psychology side of it was really interesting for me so i i often found myself asking people lots of questions about their lives mm um so so this is something i've learned so this is something i can do others have been drawing maybe you've been drawing uh, all all of these hours that i've been talking to people so this is what we come with so i i I have a this is something i can do i can talk to people about things and i I can dig you know i can go into them and we can uh, create a a safe space to talk about things that are you might not talk to other people about Mm. um so this is something of myself that i'm here that I have in my project, that I use in my project, because this is, just, this is something I can do. The other thing, which I don't think I've told anybody about before, is that a lot of my projects, when I look back at them, has something to do with my father's situation. I mean, he was a drug addict. He was uh, sitting on a bench drinking beers. He had been to prison. Um he's been a carpenter i i really love when we build things you know so that's so five also. for
1: five right there
0: <laughs> so i mean and 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 then that's also something about you know my mother was the 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 one uh, the the immigrant my father was danish my mother was the immigrant and so there's also something about you know being an immigrant and 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 young people being an immigrant. so but but mo- a lot of the things comes from ca- trying to i guess revisit the things that my father did which i was um all in all the moments that he failed me i guess you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. him sitting on a bench drinking beers now i i never understood it that i i didn't have any relationship to it except that my father sat there and it was sad and so on it wasn't traumatic nothing of my father's life was traumatic to me he was very nice and he was always very friendly and loving and 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 he was uh, an optimistic and happy guy well kind of but but he so it it wasn't a trauma in my life, but it was just he wasn't there. Mm. Um, so so doing this project at Ingham Mini Park with the beer drinker sitting on the bench and just like not thinking about my father at all. But after that, kind of you know re relating in a way to my father too, because I got friends out of that project. They are still I'm still in contact with some of them, mm. and I love them and they're great people and and we have nice talks when we meet. Uh, it's like I guess psychologically wise kind of revisiting my
1: father's
0: um, trajectory or something,
1: right? The interest uh, that built up there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they are nice guys. I actually, I do know a couple of them cause I worked right there in the neighborhood Ronnie and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, some of those guys. Um, but I mean, to wrap it up, I'm just going to say there's a huge amount of similarities between, uh, you're in my life and so it's very interesting to hear that you went in this direction my mom's a psychologist okay. i really like talking to people and understanding You know, that's part of what i do here and you're really good at it thank awesome. you thank you um but you know uh my father is a, a borderline uh mini park user uh you okay. know drinker wow. etc uh but i have not been able to to go out and engage my own uh, work with uh, a larger community so it gives me a lot to think about personally here with that so uh thanks for that you else? maybe we should do a project together yeah i'm always ready for collaboration <laughs> it's something i need to practice with but um thanks for coming on the program i really appreciate Thank you it very much Andres. it's been a pleasure absolutely And thank you for listening to this episode of the undergang armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper. And today's interstitial music was provided by twin music.com. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our socially conscious website, undergang.net. If you do like the show, we would appreciate it. If you just take a moment to leave a review on iTunes It's the best way to help other people find us. Thank you for joining us.